The first reading is from the book of Romans, chapter 12, on page 1075, if you have the Blue Church Bibles. That's Romans 12, and we will be begin at verse 14. Uh, sorry, at verse 4. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is in serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. This is the word of the Lord. Now, if you are able and would like, please stand for the Gospel reading, which today is found in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25, on page 941 of the Blue Church Bibles. And we will begin at verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was ill, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and fed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you ill or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, O Christ. 
may I speak in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Over the last couple of weeks, we have been thinking about God's call on us to connect with one another so that we can go deeper in our relationships with our church family, with God, and then through that with our community. And one of the things that we were talking about a couple of weeks ago and last week was how we're wanting to form our connect groups. That's our small weekly groups, if you haven't heard about this already, um, that we've just relaunched around some basic principles, the kind of six main things that we want to do together and grow in in those places. So that's supporting one another in the ups and downs of life, friendship and fellowship, reading and discussing the Bible together, praying together, having some fun together, and in some way bringing God's love and light into our community. So the passages that we've just heard read, and particularly the passage from Matthew, pictures the second coming of the Son of Man, when the world is going to be brought finally to justice. But it also points to the fact that Jesus is already ruling as our Lord. And the passage uh, of scripture that's before it, that's around that passage in the book of Matthew, show the context that Jesus has been speaking about the failure of the Jewish leaders to live and lead as God would have them do. And that instead of the nations being judged by God on how they've treated the people of Israel, instead, Jesus himself is coming to judge the world on new kingdom terms. That's the, the blinding message of that um, gospel to those who would have been hearing it. He himself will come and judge the world on new kingdom terms, where those who do not treat his followers, his brothers and sisters well, will be judged for it. So we have the sheep who are the faithful, um, and that's that picture of Jesus as the good shepherd. And then we have the goats, and those are the ones, they represent the ones that have caused um, or allowed suffering to Christ's brothers and sisters. So it, it is a word for a particular context. So what does it say to us um, in our time in the church in Seasalter in 2020? Well, it does have something to say about justice. Because the central theme of the passage is God's heart for justice. Holy justice isn't only about punishing evil. It's about restoring balance in the world. And God's justice is perfect. We have, unfortunately, because we're human, a flawed justice system. Um, it's the best we can do, but it's flawed. You don't get miscarriages of justice with God. The second thing that we can draw from it is that Jesus sees us as his brothers and sisters and that he has an expectation that as family, we will look after one another's physical, social and material needs, especially when one of us is suffering in some way. And the third thing we can draw from it is that Jesus takes our decision to do that or not to do that very personally to the extent that when we serve one another, it is as if we are directly serving him. And when we fail to look after those who need our help, we are failing to serve him. And he notices. 
And the passage um, from Romans 12 that we had puts this sort of emphasis on it. Love one another like brothers and sisters. And the sense of the, uh, the, the uh, translation is outdo one another in showing honor. So it's practically an encouragement to see service of one another as a competitive sport. <laughs> and it's rooted in our belonging to one another as uh, members of the body of Christ. And we keep coming back to that image, don't we? We're given that image in Scripture precisely because it's about so much more than just being an effective team. Because an effective team can happily disperse, can't it, once it's done its job, because it's made up of whole units that can separate and operate quite capably on their own, albeit with a smaller reach. But the image of the church as a body says different. It says we're not only more effective together, but we cannot function properly without one another. It's a much more codependent image than in many ways we're probably comfortable with in our Western individualistic culture, aren't we? Because it says that if one of us hurts, the whole of us hurts. I find that challenging because I think it should be true, I don't think it always is true. I don't think it's always true of us as a body here in Sea Salter. I think it's certainly not true of us as Christians across Whitstable, and it's definitely not true of us when it comes to the worldwide church. We're often just not aware of what's going on in the other parts of our body. We don't listen well to our body. You know how you do that with your health? You're really acutely aware, aren't you, of something? If you see, even if you stub your little toe, the rest of you knows about it, okay? Because <laughs> if you've ever had a, a, an injury like a, a broken, uh, you know, a bruised hip or a dodgy back or something like that, it isn't just the part of the body that hurts, is it? It throws the whole of you out and it affects your whole day. Back in 2019, we had our church annual general meeting. And as is encouraged, anyone can attend that, and people have the opportunity and are encouraged to raise, raise issues from the floor. And there were some strong concerns raised in part of that meeting that there was a big gap of our pastoral care of one another, and that people in our church community who were struggling were being missed or passed over in some way, and, uh, and that it felt like only a few people were doing the caring um, and supporting, and were actually feeling quite overwhelmed with the burden of that. And uh, from that meeting, and reflecting and praying and discussing with the leadership, I realized two things. Firstly, yes, there definitely were gaps in our pastoral care of one another, and people who were struggling were no doubt being missed. And secondly, there was a real problem of the right hand having literally no clue what the left hand was doing across our church, because actually um, there was a lot of stuff going on, um, but that it did mean that those who were doing supporting in some areas were feeling unsupported and feeling like they were alone. Because the truth is there's a large amount of pastoral care that goes on in this church family, day in and day out, and people are supporting one another in all kinds of different and faithful ways, and in the main, just quietly getting on with it, which is brilliant and exactly how it should be. However, it's clear that we need to organize ourselves better. And as I said a couple of weeks ago, how do we do that across five different congregations, across a large body of people like this? So here's what we're going to do. 
for the last eight months or so, we've been working on it. We've been drawing together a group of people who have particular gifts and a passion for pastoral work who can safely hold the oversight of this in the church. And I say oversight because, as we've already seen, the actual provision of care and support for one another is an every-person job. We hold that together. It's part of being a follower of Christ. It's part of being a member of the body of Christ, God's church. It's not an optional thing. So this isn't going to be a pastoral group that races around doing all the pastoral things on our behalf. Although, like all of us, the people who are in that group will do their bit as well. This group's going to do two main things. Firstly, they're going to act as a point of contact for people. People who are supporting somebody and themselves need an additional bit of support or some help or some pointers. And also as a contact for people who might spot that there may be an issue going on with somebody but don't actually know how to go about helping. Um, and as a point of contact for people who are struggling themselves and don't know how or where to go to get some help. So do you see it will be a feed-in point, one central point where people can say, ah, um, I need some support. Secondly, that group will keep the overview so that we have more of an understanding of who is doing what, hopefully, across the congregation, who's supporting who. We can avoid duplication, we can avoid gaps, we can avoid overload. It won't be perfect, but it'll be better than what we've got, <laughs> okay? And it will be a work in progress like all these things. And in due course, when this is up and running and it's getting there, it's not quite ready yet, um, we will publish central contact details for that pastoral oversight team, as we're going to call it. So what is our role in this? Well, firstly, we have to recognise we carry responsibility for one another. We, together in this room today, are responsible for everybody here and those who aren't here, who are usually here or haven't been here for a while. And many folk in this church, as I've said, do that very well indeed already and never make a big song and dance about it. They just get on with it. Um, and it's true that some of us will have particular gifts for pastoral work and hospitality. If that's you, I say keep on keeping on. You're doing a great job, and thank you. But we will try and get much better at supporting you. But all of us need to play our part where we can, especially if you happen to lead any kind of group or team in this church, whether it's a connect group or a social or an interest group or one of the groups and teams that helps the church and the church services to function. It's one of the reasons why it's so important that we're connected to groups in the first place, because that's how you notice, isn't it, if people aren't about for a few weeks. And it's the most likely way that people will signal to us if all is not well and support is needed, because people are most likely to reach out to those that they know. At this point, I need to say something about safeguarding. Um, you'll be aware of the posters that we've got up in the concourse, and there's one on the door that say, we are a safeguarding church. Um, and if you know anything about the history of the Church of England and um, recent stories in the media, you will see why we need to be a safeguarding church. S.J. Martin is our safeguarding officer for vulnerable adults, and Vanessa um, Farnham is our officer for children. And their pictures and their contact details are on the poster that's in the concourse by the kitchen. So do look at that on your way out of church. Pastoral care is different from safeguarding. Sometimes there's an overlap. We're just going to see a short video um, that helps explain things. And you might recognize the voice on the video. 
Church should be a place where everyone can feel safe. We will never be perfect, but we can work together to make our churches safer. Safeguarding is everyone's responsibility, and it needs to be at the heart of everything we do. So we all need to be on the lookout for signs of harm and abuse. We need to be vigilant, so that if something doesn't seem right, then we'll spot it. We can't assume that kind of thing won't happen here. It can, and it does. But we can work together to make our churches safer and to minimise the risks of harm and abuse. To do that, we need to listen to that gut feeling that tells you when something isn't right. And in safeguarding, if it doesn't feel right, then chances are it's not. If there's a situation that is concerning you, then contact your parish safeguarding officer. You'll find their details on the safeguarding poster in your church. They'll get in touch with one of our DSAs, or diocesan safeguarding advisors, for advice. They are safeguarding professionals, and they are here to help. If you're concerned about someone or something, just call them, and they'll offer support and advice. Don't worry that you might be wasting their time. They're here to help, and a two-minute phone call may be all it takes to get you the support and reassurance you need. In making that call, you could be providing the missing piece of a jigsaw that helps to keep someone else safe. Safeguarding is about caring for one another and looking out for one another, and each of us has a crucial role to play in that. Our churches can be safer if we all work together. Keep seeing jigsaw pieces everywhere, do you? <laughs> so you can see that safeguarding is really about ensuring a safe environment. For the most part, caring for another pastorally isn't going to tip over into safeguarding. Um, but if it becomes apparent that a child or an adult is potentially unsafe or is making others unsafe. That's when it becomes a safeguarding concern. But we just need to know that when we have a concern about anything like that, um, we have a way to handle it well. And there is very robust support um, at the diocesan hub level as well. So um, you can speak to SJ, to Vanessa, to myself, um, and the poster is out there with details as well. So please make sure you've had a read of that. Let love be genuine says St. Paul in his letter to the Romans. In other words, walk the talk, guys <laughs> and girls. Let's carry the full responsibility for one another so that Christ's body, the church, is as healthy as it can be and so that we witness well to the love of Christ for us and at work in us and for the world. <laughs>